That's right. Welcome to Rinkwide, the show that always scores, just like Alex Ovechkin, the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside my man, J.D. Burke. And, of course, Rinkwide is powered by BTM Lawyers. Did you know that craft beer law is even a thing? Well, it is, and BTM does it. The boys at BTM Lawyers help craft breweries with startup negotiations, incorporation, financing, trademarks, acquisitions, and more. If you operate or want to operate a craft brewery, talk to BTM Lawyers to learn more. That's btmlawyers.com. JD, we have a poll question this week, the Subway Fresh Take poll question. Do you think we will see offer sheets from NHL teams this summer? That's yes or no. Log on to uh, TSN's uh, Twitter at TSN uh, 1040. Also check us out on the website, uh, tsn1040.ca, and lock in your vote. JD, we're going to have a discussion about offer sheets in hour two. Uh, let's run down what we got in the show today. Of course, we're going to kick things off with the back check. We'll look at the week that was for the Canucks, a very good road trip, five of six points on the road for the Canucks. Uh, we'll get, take you through the injury report, and of course we'll ride the bus down to Utica, talk to Joe Roberts, the Utica Comets uh, broadcaster. Some real juicy stuff to get into uh, with the Comets this week, and then we'll finish off the first hour. Uh, we'll let you know who crushed it, and we'll talk to Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic. Second hour, uh, we'll get into the Mathletes, the offer sheet talk, and we'll talk to Patrick Johnston uh, from the province. But uh, JD, you and I were having a little bit of a debate early in the week uh, before we get to the back check about primary assists and it seems to be the new I don't want to say hot topic because it's not really a hot topic it's kind of a the new stat that is being thrown around in NHL circles what's a primary assist well it's the one that leads to a goal and you and I had a debate uh, because I think that people are disregarding the fact that the assist that leads to the primary assist at times can be just as crucial. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, why not include a, a tertiary assist at that point? Wait, hold why on. Not wait, 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 hold on. Say that word again? Tertiary. Okay, no, wait. The, 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 the come third. On, come on. I mean, I'm a writer. Tertiary? Yes, tertiary. It means the I'm third not in the sequence. I'm not that smart. Now, the reason that the statistically inclined, and certainly you can count myself among them, that is uh, a part of my, I don't want to say shtick, but certainly my je ne sais quoi. Okay. Is now you're speaking French. Jeez. I'm going all over the place, man. I'm going to be quoting Chaucer here soon with the, the English-French connection. Who? But the reason, the reason <laughs> that we don't give as much value to secondary assists when we're discussing a player's contributions at the NHL level yeah. is that they're proven to not be highly repeatable. And the reason you look for repeatability in a statistical metric is that this is how you determine whether something can be chalked up to luck or skill. And what you find with primary points, which are goals and primary assists, is that they have a much higher rate of repeatability than a secondary assist. I get all of this. I get all of this. But I'm going to give you an example. Watched a lot of hockey this week, as we do. You didn't get tertiary. I didn't get tertiary. I can't even <laughs> say the word. God. Um, Watching hockey this week, uh, Leafs and, and, and Hurricanes, watching yeah. that game. And there was a great play on his own blue line by Nazem Kadri. Beats his defender, feeds the puck up, Mitchell Marner, two-on-one, Patrick Marlowe finishes it off. I gave you that example right there. Texted that, it to me. The te right away, right yeah. after it happened, yeah. that the, if Kadri doesn't make that play, that goal doesn't happen. So it contradicts 
the primary assist in that regard. Now, I know that's one situation, and I know you love to do the math. We can we can track those assists, yes. though, nowadays. Like, yes. that's the thing. Some of the work so, that, that trackers, like Harmon Dial at The Athletic, he yeah. does a lot of this. Jeremy Davis at uh, Canucks Army. And certainly, we have to give our, our shout-out to the OG, Ryan Stimson, who is an athletic colleague who covers the Buffalo Sabres. They've been doing a lot of, of passing statistics. And, yeah, it's something that we can pick up. And one of the reasons that we're spurning this conversation is that we want to have something for you to weigh in on, you the listener. If you have something that you'd like to add to the conversation, text us at 104040. Email us live at tsn1040.ca. Heck, if you want to, give us a shout at 604-280-1040 on the phone boards. Yeah, we want to hear your thoughts, whether it's Canucks. Uh, the, the poll question, which we're going to get to shortly yeah. on, on the possibility of offer sheets or something as simple as the primary secondary assist conversation we're having currently. I just think with that, with, with, I just think it's a skewed stat. And I know that you can back it up with numbers. And I know that many times that your numbers will be correct. But in certain situations, like the one I just gave you, that, it, that assist led to that goal. It wasn't just the nice play for Mitchell Marner to sauce it over and Patrick Marlowe to finish it off. So there's many examples of that as well. And I find that. You know, when people, oh, well, it's the primary, oh, primary assistant. I know that uh, there are colleagues of ours in the uh, in the industry that do agree with what I'm saying, but if, I know there is math that can back it up in yours as well. So yep. I'm just saying that we can't disregard it as much as possible. Um, but again, there are situations where you know it. We can we can basically argue it. Uh, we got coming up the back check, guys. Uh, before we get to the back check, we do have uh, phone boards open. 604-280-1040-844-876-1040. You guys want to get in on the conversation here. And, and we're going to get to the Canucks, too. Of rest, course. Rest yeah, absolutely. This, this, is, is not, this, is, this is the Canucks show. Uh, statistical orthodoxy is not what brings us here. We also have to let <laughs> you guys know this is week two of our exclusive con- uh, contest that we are partnering with Wired Snowboards. And if you're not familiar with Wired Snowboards, they are are a local snowboard company, brand new, make their boards right out of East Vancouver. We are giving away a snowboard on this show. We will be giving it away on January 5th. That's when we're going to announce the winner. We'll let you guys know what the code word is for this week. Last week's code word, it was WIRED. So you can still get that in right now if you want. Just text it into, or excuse me, uh, tweet at TSN1040 or live at TSN1040.ca is where you can also uh, enter. That was wired last week. So for one last chance on that code word, and then we'll give you the new code word at the end of today's show. Let's go to the phone boards before we get into the back check. Hardy, what's on your mind, Hardy? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh Interesting discussion about the tertiary assist. I was having a discussion of a couple of buddies of mine the other day. And I think a lot of it is a lot of people that prop that up is that they really like goal scorers and they think goal scorers are more important than playmakers. And I, I, I think I find it interesting, but a lot of these, a lot of these new, new age, uh, statistics don't really mean much at the end of the day. I'll give you an example. Okay. When Calgary, first, the first year when, uh, or the last year that the Canucks made the playoffs where they played Calgary and they were down, the Sedins had awesome possession numbers. And I had buddies of mine tell me they were playoff beasts, but yet in the deciding game, they didn't get a shot on net. You know, 
for goals, are we going to discount goals that go in off a guy's rear end if it's a deflection, if it goes in off a defender or last guy to touch the puck? I mean, it's interesting stuff, but I think it's it's uh, foolhardy to to put too much emphasis on tertiary assists and say we're not as important as primary assists because that example of Kadri that happens on quite a few plays yeah. and uh, you know where is it going to end that's that's my question all right thanks for the call Hardy he makes a good point there well I I think what I would counter with and this is something that comes up a lot when we get into the discussions about the the merits of some of the new age statistics things that I lean on like uh, shot share at five on five which is is often discussed in terms of possession puck possession because it acts as a proxy something of a stand-in to give you an indication of how often the team has the puck when player X is on the ice the reason that we place such a, a high level of importance on statistics like shot attempts at five on five is because it is predictive of future success. So there isn't an in-sample indication that if your team has more shots than the other, you're going to win. In fact, the the data shows that having an edge in shot attempts at five on five in any given hockey game isn't indicative of who's going to win. As often as who has more hits, yeah. you know, there's no no value on a game to game basis. But if you're trying to forecast who is for real and who's going to fall off a cliff, you give me two teams, one that's three and seven in their first ten, another that's that's seven and three. If one of them has a 52 percent possession metric and the other is churning at about 47, my bet in the long term is going to be on the team that's three and seven to turn things around yeah. before they can continue this level of success. And it's an interesting conversation. Because I think what gets mixed, uh, missed in some of these these debates is that we are moving away from purely shot-based statistics. And what we're starting to find is that when you take into account where shots are taken, whether they're taken off the rush, whether there's been a cross-ice pass, we use something called expected goals. It's been big in soccer for a long time. And basically what that looks at is the frequency of shots, where they're coming from who's in net for it, what situation the game is in, and determining who should have more goals based on that. And that is the future for hockey, I think. It's still being perf- perfected, and I don't think there are many uh, models at the perf- uh, the NHL level that take into account things like you know shooter quality, so it's going to undersell somebody like Brock Besser. It'll say he should have seven goals when somebody who shoots as well as him should probably have closer to 12. But I think that this is the step in the right direction that the statistical world needs to take, and it speaks to some of the things that our, our caller was pointing to when he spoke to us earlier over the phone. All right, so let's get into the back check now. Uh, the three-game road trip by the Canucks wrapped up on Thursday in Nashville. The Canucks go 2-0 and 1. A very successful road trip uh, after coming off you know a, a, a poor stat- stretch where they lost 12 of 13. Uh, the Canucks picked things up uh, during the week on Sunday, last Sunday, against the uh, St. Louis Blues. And here's the here's the prime example of a game. You know they got outshot in that game. 23-21 by the Blues, but they end up winning 6-1. to Elias Pettersson with his second five-point game of the season. Of the season. Incredible numbers for Pettersson there. And, of course, uh, Brock Besser with his first hat-trick of the year. Markstrom makes uh, 22 saves in the game. Uh, post-game, though, this is, this is what I want to get to the most. I mean, Elias Pettersson here, this is a guy that just 
oozes confidence, but it doesn't seem to have an ego. Listen to this clip right here of Patterson postgame. You're really good at creating time and space for yourself. Were you a little surprised how the Blues were maybe backing off or maybe you were creating that space? I mean, it seemed like you had a lot of time today to make the kind of plays you like to make and find your open line. I don't know, like, I'm trying to create as much space as possible every time I get the puck and, uh, like, I don't know, sometimes it goes better for me and sometimes it maybe won't go as good as I want, so, but today it felt good, I think uh, the whole team played great, Mark was good in it, uh, maybe it wasn't a 6-1 game, but uh, we hasn't had a lot of chances, they had a lot of chances, but, like I said, Mark was good in it. How about that? Here's a guy that has a five-point game, you know, one goal, four assists, uh, basically sets up uh, Besser for his hat-trick, um, but then just deflects all the praise onto Jacob Markstrom. Yep. In like, a 6-1 hockey game. What? And Patterson's what, 19 years old? Is he 20 yet? I think he just turned 20. I yeah. could be on Arizona Mist. Uh, I, I think he's, he's in that age. He's young. This is incredible. He's young. That's all that matters. Here's a guy, you know, like, he's just, for such a young kid, he's so poised. And like I said, the ego is not there. Just an absolute team player. I know the city's fallen in love with EP40, but, I mean, I'm starting to drink the Kool-Aid as well. Like, oh, yeah. this, this kid, and I hated the Gretzky comparisons, and I still do. I mean, it's Wayne Gretzky. I just you know? think they're unfair. They're, it's totally unfair. But there are times out there, and we talked about it before. Before we lit up the mics here today that you know there there is some substance to those comparisons now don't get me wrong i don't expect elias Pettersson to put up any sort of numbers that wayne gretzky did in his career but right now you've got to be over the moon with the way this kid has been playing and the way he's carrying himself i mean this kid's going to wear a letter in the next couple of years guaranteed 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. i think that c it has to go to horror oh, it has to go to him yeah. soon yeah it is driving me crazy that he does not have the c yet and i know it shouldn't it's not a huge deal and it doesn't even fit my my stats club mantra we're not <laughs> supposed to care about this stuff yeah but it's driving me crazy that bo horvat's the one who's in there every game after a loss after a win and he is taking Taking questions, give him the C. But you know what? Pedersen's going to have an A right alongside him as they round out this core. So was Brock Besser, and it just speaks to, you know, Jim Benning. He takes a lot of flack in this market, yep. and rightly so. I mean, they, they, yeah, his team. Def- there's there, there's some questionable things that J- that Jim has done in terms of free agent signing, and whatnot. And the record speaks for itself. I yeah. mean, they're the worst team in the league over the last three plus seasons. You're you're not going to escape that unscathed. But you hit a grand slam with Elias Patterson. Yep, and, grand slam. But I mean, like this this kind of speaks to what he talks about a lot. And and when he's talking about the draft, he loves to talk about the interview process. Yeah. And when have the Canucks drafted somebody who had a, a bad attitude? I'm trying to think. I mean, uh, the closest you would get is Jake... Steve Fr- Francis. Well, the, no, I, I meant during Jim Benning's tenure, and I think the closest... <laughs> I took a second. That just that went right a, over your head. It took a second. I had to just keep going. <laughs> Um, you know what, though? Like, Jake Vertanen is the closest player that would qualify, and yeah. he's and gotten he, no, over that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and he's awesome. Yeah, Jake, he had his, uh, you know, shotgun Jake had his, it, it, you know, early on in his career, he had to be. Was he in a position to succeed, though? He's yeah, here too that soon. is true. That that's, is true. That's the problem. So, I mean, credit to Jim Benning and his staff. All right. So, on Tuesday, they were playing in Columbus, a 3-2 win, just uh, 14 shots on goal through 40 minutes. It was a dog's breakfast for 40 minutes of a hot game, but then in the third period, Canucks come to life. They score three. They outshoot the, shoot the Black, uh, Blue Jackets 11-9. Pedersen, a goal and an assist for Tannen. 
gets a goal, so everybody got to shotgun. It was his 10th goal of the season in just his 33 games this year. That matches his career high. Jacob Markstrom in goal, making 31 saves. Uh, post-game, Jakey, J- uh, Shotgun Jake. I keep, I like Jakey. I always call them Jakey. Shotgun Jake on reaching 10 goals and what he needs to improve on. No, it's nice. Um, you know, I... It's nice to get. I feel like I can't take my foot off the pedal. I got to keep keep pushing and um, you know keep producing and doing what I'm doing. But also at the same time, I still have things to improve on. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely does have some things to improve on, but there is some real positives for Shotgun Jake right now. You can just see the confidence in his game, like we talked about with Elias Patterson. But man, is he improving! And he's you know that goal that he got. Yeah, sure, it was a greasy one. It wasn't. It wasn't the nicest goal in the world. Uh, it wasn't a Picasso, as they say. But um, uh, you know, hey, he'll take it. Ten goals and. You know, like 20 goals was kind of the measuring stick this year for Jake. I think he can surpass it. He's he's well on pace. I mean, the Canucks are not even at the halfway mark of their season. And that goal was number 10. I think he's at number 11 now. And that that just pretends really well for the future of the Canucks because they have so much invested in Jake for 10. And now, where things get interesting, and this is where stats people like myself get so hated is because I'm not necessarily going to pump the brakes here, but there are some concerning uh, red flags, I guess you would call them, in his underlying profile. And, and it's kind of been an interesting transformation with Jake Vertanen because in years past, one of the things that I would always note is he's not scoring, but look at all these other things he's doing well. And he'd have an excellent two-way impact. He'd be great between the blue lines. Some of his zone entry and zone exit numbers were fantastic. But then you look at some of the stuff that's happening this year, it's the exact opposite. He's scoring a ton of goals. Some of them you're not going to score nine times out of ten, and I think that one from the Blue Jackets game is a perfect example. Not a goal that most people are going to get. Thank you, Eunice Corposalo. But he's not having that same two-way impact, and I wonder if that's just the evolutionary process for Jake Vertanen and yeah. becoming his becoming the, the, the peak production, peak player that he can be for this team. I wonder if he meets in the middle at both ends of the spectrum because I wonder if his two-way profile isn't as good as it looked in those first few seasons, and I think he's scoring a bit more than he perhaps should be this year. Maybe next season is a time when it all kind of rounds into form and we get to see what Jake Vertanen truly is without the question marks hanging over his head on each game. Uh, still at 10 goals, though. He hasn't reached 11 yet. No, uh, errors no. and omissions. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Thursday, we wrapped up the week with uh, the Nashville game, a 4-3 loss in overtime, a game that the Canucks had no business being in, but they made a game of it, and they were able to uh, get themselves a point. Jay Beagle with his first uh, goal as a Canuck. Uh, Brock Besser with his first, this is surprising, first power play goal of the season. Uh, And then Bo Horvat scoring with 44 seconds left in the game uh, to send it to overtime. I don't think that we are talking enough about Bo Horvat's points this year and what he's doing in terms of we're talking we love him in the face-off circle how much he's you know playing for time on ice just grinding it out but man 15 goals already this year MVP his, his yeah his career high is 22 he's gonna crush that for sure but you're right he might be in the talk for MVP this year uh, uh, certainly for the Canucks yeah Anders Nilsson makes 25 stops in the in the loss this this is not a stat that we like to see, and I know that uh, uh, Jason Botchford is talking. He has a plan on what he wants to do 
to trade Anders Nilsson. I don't I, know if you heard, heard it yesterday. It's a great plan. If you didn't hear it, check out the podcast uh, for Sakaris and Price yesterday. Uh, he's got a great idea on how to pump up the stats of Anders Nilsson and potentially move him for some sort of draft pick. But Anders Nilsson in his last seven starts, 0-6-1. Uh, he started the season with three straight wins. Like I said, though, the Canucks were outperformed all night. They were able to send it to overtime. Here's the future captain of the Canucks post game. Yeah, I mean, it was a great uh, overall sequence by everybody. Um, I mean, Petey skating it in all the way and um, Goldie getting into the net and, and getting pucks and bodies there. And I just had to walk it home from there. And you know, thankfully, we got a point out of it. But um, again, it should have been two. It's, uh, I got be, to be better there. That's that's the words of a captain right there. You know, he scores that goal, send it, sends it to overtime, end of the game, wants nothing to do with that sort of talk. Just wants those lost, few points. The, lost his man, knows that he has to wear it. All right, guys, that was the back check, and the back check is brought to you by Steamworks Brewing. I'm going to Steamworks tonight for dinner, by the way. Uh, Steamworks has just launched the perfect beer to celebrate a Canucks win or drown your sorrows in after a loss. It's their new premium craft lager, which is lagered for 34 days, resulting in an Awesome flavor and crisp finish because great taste takes time. Shotgun Jake scored. You know what that means. I got a Steamworks Premium Craft Lager. Got my trusty paring knife. Let's do this. And that's how you do it with a big hole. Did you just say that's how you do it with the big hole? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. For shotgunning, efficiency, okay. people, people. I'm just going to leave that one right there. All right, when we come back, we're going to let you guys know about what's happening with the Canucks injury report. Then we're going to ride the bus. We're going to talk to Joe Roberts, the Utica Comets broadcaster. We're going to ask him about a certain comet that we think should be coming up to the Canucks. You're listening to Rinkwide right here, TSN 1040. Find us online, or find them online, at btmlawyers.com. J.D., time for the injury report. What do you got this week? That's right. I got some good news. It's starting to get shorter every week, at least when we're talking about the Vancouver Canucks. You can't say the same for the Utica Comets. And we've got Joe Roberts joining us shortly to discuss them and Mm -hmm. some of the players that the Canucks might be seeing in the near future. To that exact end, the injury report starts with Sven Berchi, who left mid-game against the Vegas Golden Knights on October 25th, taking a bit of a cheap shot from Thomas Hika, and he has yet to return to the Canucks lineup. He's starting to get back into practices wearing a great non-contact jersey. We know courtesy of the uh, duteous work of Jeff Patterson that Sven Berchi went to a concussion specialist in Detroit, the exact same one that... uh, Antoine Roussel saw when he was going through this and it doesn't sound like he's going to be back in the Canucks lineup anytime soon. Expect him to return by about eh, after Christmas at some point. Next up, we got Brandon Sutter suffered a separated shoulder against the Minnesota Wild in a 5-2 win on October 29th. Yet to skate with the team. Expected to sit out until after Christmas as well. It's going to be a welcomed addition to the Vancouver Canucks who are getting their center depth back and that's going to help out Bo Horvat, who's taking an obscene amount of face-offs. I just wonder what it means for Adam Gaudet. Yeah, and you know what? Um, personally, when Sutter gets healthy, I want to see Adam Gaudet down in Utica. Yeah. And we are going to talk to Joe Roberts here, the Utica Comets uh, broadcaster, in just a moment. But, um, it, listen, if Adam Gaudet is going to be in the press box or, you know, riding the pine 
well playing, getting very little ice time. I think it's time to move him down to Utica, get him to play the big minutes, get him to play special teams, let him learn to be a pro, and then come back up when he's ready. But we'll talk to Joe Roberts here about this uh, with the Utica Comets. We're going to ride the bus and take a trip down to Utica and talk to Joe Roberts. You can catch him on Twitter. It's Roberts on the mic. Joe Roberts, welcome to Rink Wide, your debut with us. Not even uh, you're not taking a trip to Utica. You're taking a trip to Charlotte, North that Carolina, is which is where uh, we're chatting from right now. So uh, the team just arrived today. It's a little bit warmer, uh, a little rainy, but uh, not a bad break from the white stuff, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Good week though for the uh, Comets. Two and zero home wins against Providence. Five two win there. Five two win against Binghamton. Got a four game winning streak going at the moment. Uh, Reed Boucher is red hot, and there's another player that is really getting a lot of pub right now on our airwaves, Zach McEwen. Well, your thoughts on both Boucher and McEwen and uh, how they're rolling right now? Well, Boucher obviously is a bona fide American Hockey League star who, uh, when he's up in the National Hockey League, hasn't necessarily been able to produce at the rate that he can at the AHL, but there's so much talent in him. He's just one of those guys who's a a natural goal scorer and just loves scoring goals. Uh, You know, his first instinct is to shoot and get the puck to the net. He's got a world-class shot. Uh, It doesn't matter where on earth he'd play. He would have the best shot in that league if he has a chance to let it go. So um, he's been playing great. And how about that? story for Zach McEwen. You know, a lot of people want to talk about the, uh, you know, sexy draft picks, if you will. Uh, His story is so unconventional and his rise to uh, being a legitimate prospect and uh, watching him develop has been so much fun. He is something special. And and what I actually said on my broadcast the last couple nights, he scored in back-to-back nights. um, And I would say that he was far from at his best uh, compared to how he's played the rest of the season. So if you can score twice when you're having an off weekend, uh, it's not too shabby, right? Absolutely, and uh, Zach McEwen this morning uh, was asked to Travis Green from our man on the scene, Jeff Patterson. Check out this response here, uh, Joe, from Travis. Yeah, we do, a lot. I talk to those guys a lot about it, and obviously Zach's having a good year. Um, You know, would I be surprised if he's up here at some point? No. Uh, But I like his progression. RJ likes it. Trent likes where he's going. I think uh, he just needs to keep keep going. And you know, for me, those guys down there, uh, the guys that haven't been here, don't understand the pace of the game up here compared to there. So it's important that those players, even though they're scoring a lot of goals, they keep playing the way that they need to play to to get up here and have success. And but he's we're excited about his year. So um, so it's a, he's a positive for us. Oh, sorry to step on you there, Travis. Uh, so what do you think there, Joe? Do you think Zach is ready? to play at the pace of the NHL? Uh, you know, I'm just the radio guy. Uh, all I can tell you is what I see at this level and what I see is somebody who is a really darn good hockey player. Whether or not he could seamlessly make the jump to the National Hockey League, well, you know, I'm not entirely sure uh, because I wouldn't even I wouldn't consider that my expertise. But uh, what I what I can tell you is that he's doing everything that he needs to do to make that jump. Uh, you know, everybody was uh, knocking him on his skating ability. There was a point in time the other night where he was in a foot race for a puck and. You know, he didn't win the race, but the the amount of ground that he gained uh, was not that of somebody whose skating ability you would question. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure if he can go up to the NHL and be at a point-per-game clip or or just under that like he is in the American League right now. But like I said, what I can tell you is that there's no doubt that he's doing the right things, 
and doing what he can to make sure that he can be successful. And that's all you can ask out of a prospect, right? Absolutely. We're speaking with Joe Roberts, Utica Comets broadcaster. I got another question here about a, a Canucks prospect who, again, isn't the, you know, use the word sexy draft picks. I don't think sixth rounders ever qualify. Certainly one who struggled in the Czech Republic to even find his way to the lineup, had to come over last year on a PTO. I'm talking, of course, of Lucas Yashik, who, when I was watching on Friday, it looked like he was playing on the first line, had the assist on the empty net goal. What can you tell us about the prog the progress of Yashik and whether he might be right behind McEwen in terms of prospects that are making some hay in terms of an NHL debut? Well, actually, I don't. I, I don't mean to. Uh, I, I just to let you know, he actually scored that empty net goal uh, against Binghamton last night. So uh, he he picked up another tally. You know what? He has been. Uh, he has been a guy who had a tough time getting in the lineup in the first couple games of the season. Uh, and when he did, uh, he tried to make it a point to make sure that didn't happen again. Uh, nobody likes to watch the game from the stands, right? So he wants to be out there, and eventually, uh, with the line combinations that Trent Call has been kind of toying with. Uh, looks like he's going to find success playing with Boucher and Caro up the middle. Uh, Caro is obviously a great setup guy, and, and Boucher's got that, uh, that, that itchy trigger finger, and I think that that already has made a noticeable difference in uh, Yashik's game. And then you, you take not only the value of Caro and Boucher as players, but look at the amount of games that they've logged in this league and in the NHL as well. These are guys with experience these are guys who have climbed up the ladder and, and, and are going to be great examples as line mates as to what you have to do. So, uh, yeah, like you said, you know, six-round draft picks aren't always the most highly publicized, and they usually have a little bit of a tougher journey to get up to the National Hockey League. But, again, you know, what else can you ask for besides a guy doing everything that he can? And that appears to be what uh, Jazzy's doing down here in the AHL. And, obviously, he's uh, he's got a lot of skill, a lot of skill. Uh, and it's fun to watch him play. When he's clicking, it's really joy. You know what? Full credit. I, I totally misremember that. It was Yashik's goal assisted by Reed Boucher. I had the order mixed up there. You know what? We're talking about Canucks who are starting to work their way up the lineup might have a chance. Sorry, Comets rather. Working their way up the lineup might have a chance with the Canucks. Somebody who is obviously kind of trying to find his way a bit more, not having as much success as a as a Yashik or a McEwen is Petrus Palmu. Had the one assist in 12 games. Is now on loan back to TPS Turku. What can you tell us about his time with the Comets and everything that went into this decision to finally send him back to the Liga in Finland? Well, I, all I can tell you is the exact same thing that Vancouver management will tell you is that, uh, you know, uh, Palmer is going to get an opportunity to play more in Finland. Uh, and, I, and I don't think there was ever a concern about that. And, you know, I, I don't want to say too much on the matter, but I do think that in, in, in what universe can anybody think more ice time is a hindrance on somebody's development? Uh, so he goes home back to Finland. He'll, he'll log some serious minutes with, uh, with TPS. And uh, hopefully down the line, he, he has his chance to work his way up. And uh, 30 seconds, Joe, what can you tell us about uh, Jonathan Dahl and, and his recent injury? Uh, he is, uh, he's on the trip. He, you know, he came down to Charlotte. I, I, I don't have uh, specific details on it. I don't know if he's going to play tomorrow or Tuesday, but I wouldn't really look too much into that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised either way if he's in, uh, tomorrow or if he, if he takes a day. So, uh, I do know he's on the trip. He's with the team down here down south. So, uh, hopefully if he's here, he's playing. Absolutely. Good stuff there, Joe Roberts. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. Enjoy your night off in Charlotte. 
is. That's where, that's where you guys are all right now. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Cheers, guys. That's Joe Roberts, Utica Comets broadcaster. Guys, when we come back, we are going to talk to Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic in Philadelphia. And whoo, is there a lot of smoke in those fires in Philadelphia right now? Somebody might be on the hot seat. Oh, we'll ask yeah. Mr. O'Connor about it. You're listening to Rinkwide right here, TSN 1040. Find the lawyers you like online at btmlawyers.com. And real quick, I'm going to let you guys know who crushed it this week. Pretty easy. Two of the guys that, you know, are going to be in this segment quite a lot this year. Quite a lot going forward. Elias Patterson, three games played. Check this out. Eight points, two goals, six assists. Brock Besser, three games played, four tallies for him, including his first power play goal of the year. And this, this week we're doing something a little different. We've added... A, uh, a player from a different team, Alex Ovechkin, who is no way on you could ignore it. Fire right now. Two games played, six goals. That's back-to-back hat tricks for the great eight. Thirty-one games played. Guess how many goals? Twenty-eight. How'd you know? You looked it up. I'm the stats guy. That's right. You are the stats guy. I never right. sleep because sleep is the cousin of death, man. Nas. Oh. Fire like that. Cut. All right, Deep we got to uh, we got. <laughs> let's preview tonight's game. The Canucks, of course, playing against the Philadelphia Flyers, and plenty of stuff to talk about uh, surrounding the Flyers right now. We welcome in Charlie O'Connor from the Athletic in Philly. Uh, Charlie, thanks for joining Rinkwide today. Or not, I suppose. Hey, Charlie, is that you? <laughs> we got you. Yeah, did, oh, there did, you lose, did I lose you? Yeah, it's oh, all sorry. Good. <laughs> I lost you for half a second there. Yeah, you know, all good, all good. I, I got a bone to pick with you. I'm Uh-oh. still. I got a bit of a headache from uh, when we met up there in Dallas. Uh, I'm still working that off. You know, covering <laughs> the draft the next day. It was not it easy. Was, it was a. It was a late night, but it was a fun one. All right, Charlie. Let's uh, let's let's get into the meat of this. Of course, uh, the Flyers right now riding a three-game losing skid, sitting at the bottom of the Metropolitan Division. Uh, where do we start? Well, let's start with a familiar issue for the Flyers: goaltending. What is going on with the Flyers' goaltending at the moment? You know, this this whole issue was set up by uh, really by the mistake that former GM Ron Hextall made this offseason by uh, depending upon Brian Elliott and Michael Neuvert. And not to say that on paper that's an awful pairing if they're both healthy, but Elliott had two surgeries in the eight months leading into the season, and Neuvert spent basically the, the better part of last year and pretty much his entire career being extremely injury prone. So Hextall kind of put the team in a position where if those guys couldn't stay healthy, they didn't have a lot in the way of reliable goaltending behind them, and that's pretty much what's going on right now. Right now, you know, Elliott's out. He got sent back to, to Philadelphia for a doctor's appointment a few days ago, sent back from the road trip. Neuvert is is Neuvert. He, he hasn't been healthy, and then when he's been healthy, he hasn't been very good. So they've been rolling with uh, mostly with Anthony Stolarz, who is a, a second-round pick from, from a bunch of years ago, who hasn't been awful, but he didn't even play that much last year because he had two surgeries on his knee. So really, they just don't have an option they can really trust. And unless Elliott can miraculously come back from these issues, because he's been okay this year, but he's been the only guy who's been really able to deliver over a 900 save percentage on a regular basis. And if he doesn't come back, I don't know if there's an answer internally you know, in this organization. So it just kind of comes down to whether they want to look outside the organization and give up the assets necessary to, to solve the problem. Now, you do have 
a very good goalie waiting in the wings, but uh, and a lot of people are wondering when Carter Hart is going to make his NHL debut, but uh, they don't want to rush him, do they? Yeah, that's totally fair, and, and I totally understand why people want to bring up Carter Hart, uh, you know, both bring him up in the conversation and bring him up to the team. Uh, what does need to be noted, though, is that he got off to a pretty slow start in his AHL season. Uh, was pretty substantially below a 900 save percentage, and just recently does he seem to be figuring things out. Uh, I think he starts again tonight, but over his last four games, he has a shutout. He's been up to a, a 957 save percentage, so it's starting to click for him. But do you really want to bring a guy up just to starting to click? You know, I'd rather give him at least a few months of sustained, strong play before you even consider, you know, jumping him. So I don't even think it's patience. I think it's more that, you know, if he would have jumped off uh, in his first professional season in the AHL and dominated from the start, I think he'd probably be up right now. But, you know, it, it's not even... It's not even a matter of rushing a guy. It's just you want to make sure that he's actually good enough to be a solution. And then right now, I don't know if he's quite there yet. He's still kind of adjusting to the professional life, adjusting to the better shooters, the, the faster pace. And I think he's going to be a very good goalie, but I don't think he's ready yet. So at this point, if you want to solve the problem in the here and now for the Flyers, I don't think it's internally at the moment. So, again, it just kind of comes down to whether you're willing to you know, pay the crazy prices that teams have on uh, on decent enough goalies in December. Canucks host the Flyers tonight. We're speaking with Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic in Philadelphia. Well, where does that leave the Philadelphia Flyers then? Because I remember when, when Holmgren relieved Ron Hextall of his duties, one of the things they spoke about was finding somebody who had a bias for action. And, and that led them to Chuck Fletcher. Where are the Flyers now as an organization? Are they in a a spot where they're trying to salvage this season? And if so, does that lead them towards the trade market for another goaltender? Or are they going to take a more patient approach? Maybe look at this as something of a rebuilding year, something to reset the organization and then attack next season. You know, I I, I actually think that the latter might make more sense, but I do believe they're going to go with the former. Uh, I think, and and honestly, there's there's some justification for it. I think there's there's a feeling in the uh, in the organization right now that something needs to be shaken up with this team. Uh, and and it doesn't that, that's not necessarily. I know a lot of times those sort of trades end up being panic trades, and you give up a, a good player for a not so good player. But you can make a, a win win trade in those situations if you're shrewd enough. I, I don't know if they're going to pull it off, but I do think those are kind of the kind of trades they're looking for. You know, player for player type of deal just to kind of shake up the mix. Um, as for the goalies, you know, as I said, the thing is is that they almost, if they want to, you, know, you, you can make some some trades and maybe trade away a core guy like a Wayne Simmons or whatever because he's on an expiring contract, but if you're not if you're not fixing the goaltending, you're just shuffling deck chairs around on the Titanic at this point, like for this year. It, it, maybe it'll help you down the road, but if you're trying to salvage the season, you have to fix the goaltending. That's the only way the season is going to be salvaged. So, you know, when, but when you're hearing the guys like Jimmy Howard, who yeah, having a pretty good year, but he's, what, 34, 35 years old, you know, as a rental goalie, and Detroit wants a first-round pick for him, I mean, that should give you an idea of how high the prices are at this point in the year for a goalie that could potentially salvage your season. So I think, you know, the Flyers kind of have to take a good hard look in the mirror and say, you know, are we willing to pay that price and take the risk that if it doesn't work, we gave up a super high first round pick? That's a, it's a big risk. 
Well, I, I think one of the, the, the pieces that they're going to have to put in play in somebody who is at the end of his contract right now with the Philadelphia Flyers is Wayne Simmons. And what, what future do you see for him? Because I think a lot of people, when they saw the uh, JVR signing, James Van Riemsdyk, this, the clock started to tick on Simmons' time in Philadelphia, yet he started the season there. He, he's remained relatively productive. Where do you see this going with Wayne Simmons in the last year of his deal? Yeah, I think if Hexall would have stayed the GM, I think he was pretty much as good as gone. It was just a matter of whether he goes traded at the trade deadline or whether the Flyers decided to keep him for the entire year and then just let him walk for nothing because they're trying to you know, maximize how well they're going to do in the playoffs. The unknown right now is that we really don't know how Fletcher views him. Uh, I believe Elliot Friedman earlier this week noted that Fletcher was going to reopen negotiations to sort of see where both sides stand. My guess is that they're not going to come to any agreement, and it's it's partially because you know Simmons. While he's been a great flyer, you know he turns 31 before the next contract starts, and most likely that next contract isn't going to be a good one unless you can somehow convince him to take a two or three year deal. And to be quite honest with you, he based on what he's done over the last five six years, he probably deserves more. I just don't know if the Flyers want to be the, the team that that gives him that deal. And then you have to add in the fact that the Flyers are looking at this idea of shaking things up. And there's no, there's no easier way to shake things up than to trade away your assistant captain, who's a member of your leadership core, who's probably already going to be gone anyway at the end of the year. It's, it's, it's a way to, it's a way to jolt the players, but it's also doing so in a way that, you know, maybe doesn't necessarily change the overall trajectory of the team because this was going to happen anyway. It just happened a few months earlier than it would have. All right. We got about a minute left here, Charlie. How hot is the seat under Dave Haxtell's uh, bottom right now? I, I think it's pretty hot. I, I, I do think that, that the, the possibility of them making a change, I think it's in play. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know for a fact that it's definitely going to happen, but I, I know that I know that they're they're considering it. And, and you know, after the way this week is went, you know, you, you lose seven one to Winnipeg. You blow a two a two goal lead in the final uh, minute nine against, against Calgary. You, you lose to an Edmonton team that played the night before. You know, this is the kind of week that does inspire a coaching change. So we'll see what happens tonight. You know, again, you know, tonight uh, tonight the Flyers are playing the second night, so they're not exactly in a great schedule place. I don't I, I don't know if this game even matters at this point. My suspicion is that. If, they, if they're going to make a change, they probably already made the decision. I just don't think they were going to do it in the middle of a road trip. But I would say keep a, keep a close eye on, the, uh, you know, on social media tomorrow and Monday because it, you know, if they're going to make a change, it's going to happen one of those days. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, his, his seat's pretty hot. Charlie, we're getting up against it, but I need to ask. Vancouver needs to know, is Gritty Antifa? <laughs> I think Gritty is whatever anyone wants Gritty to be. Uh, that, that's my view. I, I think Gritty is just sort of, everybody just places what they believe the world should be onto Gritty, and that's what Gritty is. Oh, and that's Gritty. the beauty of it. Yeah, and Gritty is exactly. fantastic, and so, so are you, Charlie. Thanks for joining us today on Rinkwide. All right. Thanks, guys. That was Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic in Philadelphia. Of course, the Flyers in town tonight. When we come back, we're going to do some math. But before we get to that, Mr. J.D. Burke. That's right. we got to give a shout-out to our good friends over at Molecule Sports, who are the segment sponsor for us over here. Molecule Sports offers high-performance apparel wash and refresh solutions that use science to beat the odor and other things living in your gear bag. Don't let your gear do harm to you and discover Molecule on molecule sports.ca 
gear, and you can't understate the importance of this product. I'm telling you, it doesn't just make your gear more fresh, a lot less harmful to your skin with allergies. It also improves the durability of your equipment. So if you got a kid in minor hockey, it is in your best interest to look this stuff up. Again, that is MoleculeSports.ca. All right, like I said, when you come back, we're going to go through the Mathletics with Mr. J.D. Burke, and then we're going to have some talk about offer sheets in the NHL. We want to hear from you guys, 604-280-1040, 844-876-1040. You're listening to Rinkwide right here, TSN 1040.